Hello and welcome again to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. This is episode 64. Uh, my name is Rachel and joining me today are the usual cohorts in crime, Chris. Hello. How are you doing today? I I am good. How are you? <laughs> also good. We're hoping for less potential technical issues. Um, And also joining us today is Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi, Rachel. How, How you doing? Been? I'm doing good. I'm okay. um, I just want to say that I am not associated with uh, any crime, as you <laughs> as you out outlined at the front. Well, we've already we've said <clears> in some <throat> in some episodes past that we're just relaxing oh, no. and podcasting. Yeah, that no, I remember crime. now. Yeah, okay, yeah, that case is ongoing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's an ongoing study. Ongoing study, as it were. For today's episode, since it is the 15th year anniversary of Studio Ghibli's uh, very popular film, Spirited Away. We thought it would be a, lot, a little bit of fun to uh, kind of break down the film and talk about it and, you know, our history with it and see what it is about this particular film that uh, was actually, I think, was one of the first Studio Ghibli films to really make headway in the uh, United States. I mean, I know there were quite a few others of the Ghibli roster that had made it across the... Uh, out of Japan and all over the world, but I think that Spirited Away was the first one that I think Disney got a hold of and really kind of just went with it. So we'll... Yeah. I think that's basically the case in um, in the UK as well. That's why we got an Oscar, so... Yeah. And... So... Yeah, go ahead, Chris, sorry. And still, there already one. <laughs> <laughs> what one? Shrek? Was it Shrek? What? Shrek? No, that was... No, that... I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused. Shrek got the first, first one, I think. Of course it did, yeah. Yeah, but... yeah, it did, yeah. Spirited Away. I, I always remember it. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be breaking down that movie today, but before we get into that, we'll be uh, just going through the usual round of news. It's been a little while since we had an episode. I don't go too in-depth with what's going on in the news, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. Um, one of the big stories that we're really excited to cover and talk about is the fact that uh, Pixar was able to release a bit more information about their upcoming movies for 2017. Um, obviously, the first one that's going to be put out uh, is going to be the third Cars movie, which uh, they've already put out a teaser for, which is a uh, little, uh, little, I wouldn't say just, it was surprising, I think is the word that I'm looking for. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting out of that, but we're not here to talk about that film in particular that film will be whatever it is when it's released but the one that we're particularly curious about is the film that will be following that in no sometime in November 2017 uh, Coco is the name of the movie and it's I believe from we have in the description of what was uh, new information that they released about it, it is going to be set in Mexico and the main character is going to be a boy named Miguel who wants to be become a musician though uh, oddly enough uh playing music and the like has been pretty much banned from his entire family or is forbidden for some reason, I believe is what the, the synopsis was saying. It's something to do his, like, his great-grandmother or something, her husband left her to become a musician and they thought that music had brought they had brought down misfortune on their family, so right. they then went, no, no one's playing music in this family <clears throat> anymore. 
and then a tune dropped a piano on her brother's head, <laughs> which didn't help. That dad, she was that she wasn't angry about the tune; it was the piano. Yeah, that she <laughs> held a grudge against. Is <laughs> aside from the synopsis, which I that didn't is uh, you know, for the overall setting, it's it's interesting. It sounds like a, a take on a a fairy tale, a fairy tale a scenario. And they've also put out the um, the cast list. I think that's the only information that they've put out thus far. Because I don't think they've given they've announced an exact date for when this movie is going to be airing. I, I think it's um, November. I think it's basically Thanksgiving, US. Oh yeah. Wise. Um, and we also haven't mentioned the fact that in the story, Miguel is going to cross over into the the land of the dead. Uh, yeah, that that's also a big thing. Because it's connected to the Day of the Dead festival in Mexico, and obviously that puts similarities between that and Book of Life, uh, which some people have noticed, um, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I think this probably been in in development for quite a long time, so mm-hmm. I think it's unfair to say, oh, it's ripped it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think one just was able to get out you know, was able to be released just earlier than the other. I think um, that's really all the matter is. And I think there's enough, from the sound of the premise, it's, you know, there's still enough differences between the two that, I mean, it might, you know, certain aspects of it might look similar in terms of, like, design work, but I think other than that, it's probably in terms of total, you know, plot and character, it's going to be unique. Yeah, we don't really know much else about it, so we can't say that mm-hmm. it, how similar it's going to be or not, so... Yeah, we'll just have to wait to see the actual movie to be 100% sure. But I think in terms of just putting out the actual premise of the film and, you know, getting more information about it is definitely definitely a plus. Uh, so I interrupted you when you were talking about the cast, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, we've got a couple couple of names here. I think Anthony Gonzalez is going to be uh, voicing uh, Miguel as mm-hmm. our main character. Uh, Benjamin Bratt is, should be playing... Uh, Miguel's idol. I'm not sure if I can pronounce his name. But uh, the idol that he is going to be, the musical idol that he's going to be looking for in uh, The Land of the Dead. That is going to be his primary motivation. And uh, Rene Victor is going to be playing his grandmother. Yes, they've said that it's important that they were going to have an all-Latino cast, which is very good. And is also similar to what they did with Moana with the casting. And mm-hmm. I would just like to point out the fact that both those films cast unknowns in the lead. And because um, they thought they were right for the part rather than... Mm-hmm. I mean, with Kubo and the two strings, they thought they had to put some kid from Game of Thrones in the lead. They're like, no, you <laughs> could cast anybody, really. <clears throat> so... yeah. That excuse doesn't really cut it. They could have just had an unknown Asian American actor. But yeah, yeah. this is well. It, it's 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 good to see that they're making a renewed effort in order to be authentic with the casting. And that's you know, it's both for both Disney and Pixar. That's uh, it's good to see that they're taking more steps in that direction. I, I love that piece of concept art though, with the with Miguel and his grandmother. It is really adorable. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the film now. It's, <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's going to be cute. <laughs> and I think yeah, like, it's going to be big about family. I think that's going to be kind of 
kind of the the thing and well, music you, you, <laughs> you can have, you, yeah music music and family are going to be the big uh the big focal points of this uh movie and i can't say i'm i'm opposed to that at all especially with the setting and all these the look and the little look of the, just from that one piece of uh art it's going to be a very interesting uh looking movie or interesting looking movie Following that, we've got some new uh, information coming out of G Kids because uh, we've, you know, we've been keeping a close eye on any of the new acquired properties since they've always been very, very gracious with uh, helping, you know, us promote a lot of these films that come from not just, you know, you know, Hollywood or you know, Disney or Pixar, but from all over the world. Um, they've, but they've uh, made an interesting choice in acquiring the rights uh, for a certain American independent film called, and this is um, it's a very long name, so I'm going to try and say it all in one go, uh, My Entire High School is Sinking into the Sea. And um, I think it was, I believe, uh, the directed, the movie's directed by Dash Shaw, who is a, traditionally, this is actually his first role, you know, first time directing a animated film, because I believe he's supposed to be a comic book writer and artist, originally. I think this is pretty much like a almost a one man show. Uh, I think a one man feature film. I think I don't. I he might have had assistance, whatever. But I think he is animator as well as director. I think because um, it's a, yeah, I got that impression as well. Because it's done like mixed media. It's not. It's not like just straightforward animation. It's got lots of. Um, collage and painting and and sketches and stuff and all done in different styles and uh, yeah but yeah that I, is interesting i haven't um and dan i believe uh you've mentioned you mentioned off the air that there was a uh there is a trailer or like a teaser trailer for uh, it yeah i think <clears throat> i saw a clip yeah yeah um, sometime last year with a bunch of kids who were who who seemed to be in the process of of drowning yeah, hmm. <laughs> it's a disaster movie, high school movie, mm. with the, the title basically. The high yeah, the title is, is sinking into the sea. Yeah, it seems to be something which is like. Um, uh, I, I think I saw like improv sort of comedian actors um, on the cast list. It's Jason want... Schwartzman is the lead. Um, Who's he? He is. Uh, he is. Whose name rings a bell? I'm. I know exactly who he is. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what he's been into. I'm trying to think the obvious one. To is say. he the one? Is is he? Um. He's in Scott oh Pilgrim. Oh my goodness! Yeah, oh right, him. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to on think bo- of. Oh, oh, and Rushmore. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now I'm now I'm a little bit um, ashamed at not knowing who he was he's, by name. He's a Coppola. But I didn't. Coppola. <laughs> Sorry. He's a he's a Coppola. He's he's related to Nick Cage and Francis Ford Coppola. And hmm. Ah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. It was. Uh, it seemed to be basically almost in the style of. Um, American um, animated TV comedy, mm-hmm. mm. um, kind of driven by the voice cast and the writing. It's also got and, Maya uh, Rudolph, 
Reggie Watts, Susan Sarandon. Okay. Lena that's Dunham. That's a good cast. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really yeah. big, big cast. Wow. I mean, if that's not, that's probably like going to be the film's main pull. Mm-hmm. And I, I read a review of it. Um, the first I heard of it, I read a review of it after it played TIFF this year. I okay. Think. Um, on it was I think it was on Variety. Yeah, it was on Variety, and the review annoyed me because uh, it seemed to be like this. This cartoon's got ideas against its above its station. It's a cartoon. Right. It, it shouldn't be what? doing that. And the thing that re- it just got me got my goat straight from the beginning because it went it went animated film should have should have snappy titles like like Toy Story or Sausage Party <laughs> or. <laughs> Oh my god! Are you away. Me? Over the good head. Tit- they're good titles right. for animated movies, as mm-hmm. they uh, they fit the um you know it's like saying they fit the the genre or whatever. And yeah. Like, well, oh, no. do you know what? And we know. It, <laughs> I don't know if they did say that was the genre, but it was like a, cu- oh. a couple of things about that don't surprise me. I mean, one is a variety review of an animated movie, mm-hmm. which is to say, like variety is. You know, its main thing is it's a trade paper. Yeah. So it's going to be talking about, you know, animated movies in terms of how they play in Hollywood. And whenever they review an animated movie which is not Hollywood um, produced, they will always mention how remarkable it is that it's uh, that is not. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing as well that really means that, that I find. Uh, variety reviews hard to read when it comes to animated movies is their style guide they always call them tunes <laughs> um or yeah and it's just like i actually like uh had such a bone to pick about i think around like the time of brave i read the review and i didn't like how the review is written and i kind of like just tweeted at, directly <laughs> obnoxiously at the uh, at the critic and he was like yeah, that's just the style guide that we have to use to make us unique. Are you uh, kidding me? Oh. No, I'm not. No, that's 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 serious stuff. Yes. So whenever you see Variety talk about something being a tune, it's just uh, mandated. Wow. I also read read there recently someone linked to. I think I mentioned it on the show before. Someone linked to their their review of um, uh, My Neighbor Totoro from like when it first got released in America. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was really negative and like, oh, nothing happens, it's boring. and It's all choppy. And yeah, the animation's <laughs> rubbish. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what movie, you, what movie were you watching? Because you were, definitely weren't watching Totoro. Fools. Fools with a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> although, although, I have to say, Variety did a really... I did a good animation roundtable this year with the um oh, super they did uh, it was um it had friend of the show mark osborne on it talking about um little prince obviously it had hey. uh, it had garth jennings talking about sing it had michael didot dewitt talking about red turtle uh, it had um i think it had rich moore out as utopia i only had one of them i know mm-hmm. okay and, some dude from Sausage Party, because uh, that's obviously a awards contender, whatever, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. No Makoto Shinkai. No, well, it's it's a bit of a random selection whenever they do. Oh, these are the top awards contenders, like last like mm-hmm. the, year, the year before. There was one on Hollywood Reporter, and they had. Um, I know that they had. Uh, Jorge Gutierrez was on it um, about Book of Life, and that didn't get a nomination anywhere. But he, you know, right. he was still he was still in the conversation. Um, yeah, he was available. So, yeah. So, Sorry, but, <laughs> but they. Um, oh my god, my favorite one of those is because um, like I I I watch some of those yeah I watch some of those of like actors and directors. Mm-hmm. There's one from I guess 2014 with Mike Lee where he was on a director's round table uh, <laughs> but, but he and he <laughs> is like he is falling asleep and he makes no effort to look engaged by the conversation and he butts in when he needs to and oh it's just like the perfect antidote to how self-involved those can get but the, and the animation ones are usually pretty great yeah and they, they, I've linked to it on the site. It's worth, it is worth watching. It's like it's about forty-five minutes, and there are some interesting stories from Mark Osborne about how he apparently got death threats for for attempting to do the Little Prince. Really? Uh, that that was something you didn't share when we <laughs> no, were. I was like, we were oh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> from 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 people who who are, who are really taking on board the message of the book. Yeah, the, and, the uh, same living sort of, by it. <laughs> the same sort of people who who um, get that uptight about superhero movies. So sort of go, what? Yeah. How dare you do that about Superman? And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's really not the spirit of Superman. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Making death threats? No. <laughs> Bullying well, people? No. Not, 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 maybe, maybe of of uh, of, of Snyder's. Superman. Yeah, of Snyder's Superman. Uh <laughs> 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 Snyder oh. Superman probably has an alt-right blog or something. Uh. <laughs> All right. Take take a drink. Zack Snyder reference drink. slate. <laughs> <laughs> um. What, what? What? Sorry. This is really professional. What are we talking about? My my entire high school has sunk into the sea. Oh, still? Okay. <laughs> well, that's it where we started. Well, that's I... good. Well, that's what we were talking about. It, it is exciting that we're going to be seeing a, uh, a like we were saying, a one-man independent animation. You know, getting a bit more, yeah. getting a bit more um, of a voice and being able to be shown a lot more places. Thanks, courtesy a la G Kids. So that's a good on them that they're that's expanding kind of huge. more. Yeah, their, I didn't uh, expect that movie to get that kind of distribution. Well, apparently, from uh, from all regards, they took a look at it they were really impressed by what they saw so they're like hey yeah we can we can distribute this so that seems to be the way things are going and i'm really looking forward to getting opportunity to, opportunity to see this myself because it's it's saying you know because they've a lot of the films that we've uh, seen courtesy via g kids have been all really wonderful wonderful films so i'm really if, if they're if they're a big fan of this one too i'm, I'm looking forward to see what what it does Mm-hmm. And how it looks, especially since I'm looking at the some of the art that they uh, of the movie itself, and it's 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 unique. I think unique is the, probably the good word for it because it's it's um, obviously with the uh, the director being mostly involved with like comics and uh, drawing and writing, it, it definitely has that look to it. But I think it's definitely going to you know set the movie apart from others mm-hmm. like it. I'm really excited to see it. 
But uh, since we were we were just talking about films that are going to be garnering a lot of awards this upcoming year, I think that might be good enough to uh, transition to uh, talking about the Golden Globe nominations, which is another big thing that's been uh, just went out recently. And uh, there's a segue. I know. See, see what I did there. See <laughs> yeah, what I did there. I see. I see what you did there. Um. But we've got a couple. We got the list of nominee nominees, and well. A majority of them are what we expected. There were a few that kind of snuck in there that um, were a bit of a one was a one was a happy surprise for me, and another one was a bit of, um still a little confused on because uh, the movie hasn't itself come out yet. Uh, this, the nominees are as follows: Zootopia, of course, Kubo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moana, and Illuminations Sing and My Life Is a Courgette is also are all also listed on the nominations for the golden globes like i said um i'm really happy courgette is in there because we've we've discussed the film a little bit so far and uh, i think dan you you saw it yeah i did yeah so yeah i'm really happy to see that 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 film's getting a lot more it's it's really been kind of rolling with the nominations recently of like all you know getting in there and getting a lot of praise for what it did and i'm really glad about that but Mm. The one that confuses me is uh, Sing. I mean, I don't doubt that it's going to be a fun film because I've seen the trailers for it. And it looks like a really, uh, really just fun or funny, you know, concept of like this uh, anthropomorphic world of you know, American Idol. But mm-hmm. it the, the interesting thing is the film has not yet been released, so it's just like apparently someone knows something we don't. It's, it's yeah, it's very interesting that it's there because. It makes you think. Oh, is this going to be a real surprise? Um, I've I'm basically interested in it because of the director. Um, Same. Ah. Yeah, I'm. I my interest is quite biased in it. I, I because Garth Jennings is great, and it's his first animated movie, and I'm interested to see. And that's that's another thing about that um, roundtable is him talking about, you know, working in animation for the first time, which is interesting perspective compared mm-hmm. to everyone else um so it's like you know on on the on the face of it the film doesn't really appeal to me but who's doing it and also, you know the, the trailers are fun and everything and i've said before that i think a lot of illumination stuff they sort of seem like things that you can just chop up into into gifs <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the appeal they're just like um little viral moments that you can chop up any bit of the film put it out and people are oh, like, I think yeah. that's a I think I that's a bit harsh I know you said that before when I said that really I don't remember you saying that that's pretty I, damning I think I, they make better movies than that I, I yeah I kind of maybe I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> okay okay <laughs> I don't know I'm I just kind of feel I'm not really wanting to put it in a harsh way. I'm not. I'm. No. I don't. I don't mean that as as a negative. Even. I mean. Yeah. That they make films that are like have got this certain appeal. Like you can mm-hmm. just cut. A, you know. Pretty I think universal it's, appeal. Like, it's it's it's, a, it's um something that can be universally marketed is what you're mm-hmm. saying. And that that's oh, and that that that's is true. I mean that that is that is to a film's benefit overall. I mean, whether or not you could say you can consider it artistic, you know that. You know, I mean, it's definitely going to be a fun film, and if it does something that surprises everyone, you know that that'd be awesome. But it, regardless of whether it is or not, 
it'll you know with the what it's doing it's definitely going to be something that would be pretty easily marketable and that Actually, will be that will be to the studio's benefit the fact that Garth Jennings is directed it makes me think there's probably more to it than the trailers show um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we shall see uh, on definitely that uh, and that's that's coming up that's coming up near the end of the year early next year here well yeah it's like early january so <laughs> uh, real difference there um but yeah it's interesting no sign of finding dory and i can kind of see that happening i can kind of see finding dory might miss out on nominations mm-hmm. in a few places i think Just... yeah i think you're right i think zootopia is probably going to steal a lot of the thunder yeah i mean i th- is Zootopia nominated in the... Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think Zootopia's got to be the favourite for most things at this point. Um, which is surprising, because I would have thought at the beginning of the year, if you put the two... You know, you look at that and Moana, you go, oh, Moana's going to be the prestige film. Right. But, yeah, so Zootopia seems to be possibly, yeah, edging things out. So yeah, it's... it's- it I mean, was Disney a movie that won the hearts of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, sorry, Rachel. Well, I was just referring to Zootopia. It was, it was <clears> the <throat> sort of movie that won the hearts of a lot of people. So that I imagine that even though that was yeah. that came out like you know over here in the U.S., it came out all the way back in March, just a little bit later for you guys. It was still, and it was long enough that it was able, you know, still have enough staying power. I yeah, think. it seemed to really survive off its word of mouth, actually, in a way mm-hmm. that animated movies don't always uh they're not always able to do that like you know it was a, it was an early it was early in the year and mm-hmm. you know those movies i mean disney's been doing okay doing that sort of thing um at least in the uk for a long time but um but yeah i i, I got the impression that that movie i heard about it a lot mm-hmm. and 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 you, you you know when an animated movie is making an impact when you start hearing people in non-animation circles telling you about it. Exactly. And that happened to me uh, for me a lot with that movie. <laughs> so it is definitely an interesting lineup for the Golden Globes. I mean, like I said, we're still not entirely sure what uh, what how uh, Sing is nominated on there. Uh, but still, I think that's more of enough of a reason to, when it does come out into theaters, that you know it should be more of a reason to go see it and see what all the hubbub is about. So, uh, moving on from that, I think it would be our last story for the uh, for the afternoon or evening, as the time we're recording this, um, is uh, some more info and artwork that we got released for a upcoming rebooted television series that should be released uh, the summer of 2017, and that is the reboot of uh, the Disney Afternoons hit show DuckTales. Pause and- for the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan, what was that? Pause for the... Uh, everyone paused yeah. for the... Uh, for the Pause easy, for the theme for, music. Yeah, for yeah. that to be easily dropped in and post. Yeah. Awesome. Because <laughs> you can't... Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a known fact that you cannot have anything DuckTales related without having at least some bit of the theme song going in. And I, I have to admit, when uh, the uh, teaser that was put out, the teaser trailer for DuckTales... There wasn't any animation or anything in regards to this trailer. It was just the uh, showing the title. But they made sure to put in the woo 
for the uh, from the original theme, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is legit. Yeah, they're just reassuring everyone. <laughs> they know everyone. what they're doing. <laughs> they're like, people are like, well, yeah, yeah, it looks all right and everything, but if they mess with the theme song, there's going to be trouble. No, so... there, if, if, they, if they had messed with the theme song in any way, shape, or form, there would there would be blood. I think. <laughs> With a lot of people who are very fond of that show, myself included. <laughs> like, no, you do not touch gold. That song is catchy enough as it is. Don't ruin it. Yeah, the art looks good, though, and I'm so glad that they're doing it 2D. Yes. It would have been so easy to make it a, uh, a three-dimensional uh, cartoon or uh, animated series, but the fact that they're sticking true to its roots and doing kind of like a... It's not even just like a just regular 2D. It's kind of like an updated 2D look. Mm. Kind of, and I wouldn't say almost. It's still. I would say it's in line with some of like the um, the Mickey Mouse shorts that they've been doing. I think it's it's still got that distinct style all its own, which I actually really appreciate. I think it's got some shares some staff with those Mickey. That's creative people. I think it Mickey does. Mouse, yeah. Mickey Mouse shorts. So that yeah. would make there sense. Would be. Uh, yeah, in, that... the, in the design department, at least. And I think it's got, like, boarders who worked on... Storyboarders who worked on, like, Gravity Falls working on it and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, my God, it's, really? Um, yeah, it's got, like, the staff looks really promising, at least. So oh, it's fantastic. Because hmm. those those people... I I, I love <clears> the work <throat> those people do, so I'm just... Yeah. They they are the right choice for this. Yeah, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like a cheap uh, thing they're just knocking out. Mhm. And they're doing a full season and also a couple of hour-long specials. Whether that. Christ! What they've already announced four seasons. No, a full a full season. Oh right, okay. I was like, <laughs> 20, that's optimistic. Twenty is the list is twenty-one, twenty-one half-hour episodes and then the two-hour-long uh, specials. That's a I lot. Is what they announced. So yeah, know. they're they're ready to go. Twenty-one that. half hours. That's yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> um. So that'll probably be Excuse like me. a. <laughs> Probably maybe the the in, maybe the pilot will be an hour and then maybe there'll be a Christmas special. Mm. Who knows? But well, we'll have to wait and see. But I have to say right off the bat, at least looking at the uh, the poster image that uh, that has been circulating through the you know promotional material. The um, you know we have you have all the the main characters hanging out in this uh, this car that's jumping out of this airplane, and you've got you know Scrooge going for the gold always. Um, Donald hanging on for dear life, and then I really like looking at the some of the other characters on Launchpad. Also, mm-hmm. I like the fact that they kind of put him in the uh, put him in the driver's seat it was pretty pretty nice design choice. But the, I think the the four characters that kind of attract my eye, you know, the most are definitely Huey, Dewey, and Louie sitting in the um, in the main in the front seat of the car. I like with, with looking at them. Uh, they have them each doing different poses, so I think they're doing more of a job to like differentiate the three from each other. Because I know in most cartoons they were just kind of—I don't know—they would say they, they were they, the exact same, but they were just there was little to set them apart. But I think they it had looks different like colored they, hats. <laughs> that yeah, that was the only thing that differentiated them from each other. So I'm already kind of getting really hyped up the fact that they might be giving them more individual personalities. <clears throat> I think I I'll be honest with you, I think like part of their appeal is the fact that they're almost always a group and mm-hmm. pretty um uh not too individual. And part of mm-hmm. their charm is how they move around as like a trio. Kind yeah. of like Ant and Deck. Kinda like Ant and Deck. You never see Ant without Deck or yeah. without Ant. Kinda like, like, like Morecambe and Wise, kinda like yeah. 
Um, S Club 7. That one doesn't work. (laughs) That one doesn't work. S Club 7. Read the reference of the week. I mean, the the obvious one. We need one one of those. The obvious one I was thinking of was uh, the the heads that go oi in Spirited Away. Oh, yeah, that that's more yeah, fitting. Appropriate. Mm. Yeah, which we'll be leading right into since uh, that should be the last bit of news going into uh, before we go into our main topic. Though I I did have to just point one out one last thing about the um, the promotional art when you the all the characters, you know, flying out of the car. You've got the um, I remember I forget what her name was her name was Webby the the little mm-hmm. uh, the little girl character that they had in that show I know she was just basically like kind of like the cutesy um, you know just kind of the cutesy little girl character that was just really nice and really friendly but uh, I'm looking at this promotional right here and looking at her redesign a I like I like it just for the style of it and B she's looking a little bit more badass than she used to I mean and also like you said uh, Dan the fact that we have some people from Gravity Falls working on this. She's got a grappling hook, mm. so I'm like, yes. Now that now that I know <laughs> that the people from like Gravity Falls are working on this, all of a sudden this makes so much more sense. Grappling they, hook. They are um, beefing up her role, apparently, Webby. Uh, are make... they now? She yeah. she's the one who looks most different mm. from the yeah. original design as well. She looks a lot more like um, is she called Daisy Duck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. In, it, I, guess I remember. Little, yeah, yeah. I, got, I remember. I used to get very confused with her and Daisy Duck because they were kind of very similar looking. Yeah, same kind of oh. like you know lighter lighter pastel colors. Where you know, okay, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but they yeah she doesn't doesn't. I don't think you get them confused anymore though. At least with the way that they're they're redesigning her. I think it's interesting that it's going on Disney XD. I think that kind of um, suggests something. That shows you it's going to be about adventure, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. rather than you know it's rather than like I don't know, kitty. Well, it's going to be obviously it's going to be for kids, but it's <laughs> not just um, kitty hijinks, but also uh, high flying adventure, mm-hmm. which is what Ducktales mm-hmm. has always been about. So good that mm-hmm. they're sticking to that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and not to be not to be sexist, but. Uh, I think Disney kind of see XD as like a boys channel so uh, yeah like that kind of fits with the the supposed you know brand I got going on there nah I I guess that that makes sense Uh, yeah I'm I'm saying like purely in business terms I've heard that Disney (laughs) do talk about XD as like a boys channel as sexist as that is they have like yeah um, rebels on there rather than Mm-hmm. Rebels and all the Marvel shows and yeah, yeah. It's all about the marketing. Whether yeah, it's all about the money, man. Follow the money. <laughs> all the way to Scrooge McDuck's big diving, for cash. diving into yeah. his pool of money. <laughs> and it's like, wow! Wouldn't all those gold coins hurt? Yeah, I used to think that money. too. Yeah.
she likes gold coins. No oh, nice, nice. Yes, a good Segway. transition. Segway. Not to your hero. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's use that as our segue into our main topic, uh, which is going to be discussing discussing discussion. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. You turned into Sean Connery. Oh my god! <laughs> I was just I was just temporarily like just just lost it for a second sorry guys um get caught in a loop <laughs> oh god i'm just i'm just completely losing it this episode so apologies to everyone who's still listening um but yeah uh spirited away it's been 15 years since that came out and uh i know that was probably one of like the very first studio ghibli films that i ever saw and i think that was it definitely threw me in terms of like what animation could do in a feature film. It definitely threw me for the loop. And then yeah, I would later discover a lot of the rest of the uh, Studio Ghibli films and even find out there was more of a amazing world of animation than I was probably aware of at the time. So, uh, but yeah, what? Uh, I'll throw the ball out to you guys. When was the? When did you first uh, see the movie? I'll start with you, Dan. Oh, uh, well, like actually, surprisingly late. I saw, um, I think I saw Kiki's Delivery Service before I saw, no, I didn't, no, no, I think, surprisingly late, I think I saw Ponyo before I saw Spirited Away. Really? I think you said Ponyo was your first. I think yeah, it was, mean, yeah, right? yeah, there, there was just like a week where I, yeah, I must have seen Ponyo first, and then like, I just, you know, spent all my pocket money at HMV. Uh, getting getting the um, getting the collection, yeah. I but I didn't see Spirit. I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah, I didn't see it in full. Like, I guess until after Kiki's Livery Service, maybe. Yeah, so uh, maybe two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, maybe. I think it was the first time we saw it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I've seen it a whole bunch since then. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. Highly regarded as like one of the greatest animated films of all time, and for very good reason, which we'll get into discussing in a minute. And uh, Chris, when was uh, your first experience uh, seeing Spirited Away? Well, I was I was thinking about I was thinking is it the first Ghibli film that I was aware of when it was being released? Mm. But then I then I thought actually I do remember reading stuff about Princess Mononoke in the like anime magazine, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I was aware of it when it was coming out and everything. I think I was just reading about possibly um, after it came out. But Spirited Away, I remember like seeing like promotional art for it before it came out. Like in the, I think it was Manga Max, the magazine I was reading <laughs> as a. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so I had the hype of it, knowing that it was coming out. In obviously, it was going to come out in Japan ages before it came out uh definitely in the uk and even even a while before so i don't know how long it was it did it come out in america about 2003 was that was it a couple of years after it came out probably I it was think 2002 so. yeah 2002, it was uh, only a year after ah, mm-hmm. that's quite quick for then <laughs> mm-hmm. because then it cleaned up at the uh oscars in 2003 yeah because i i it was the first jib I had I bought the art book. Ooh. <laughs> Be- 
before I saw the film because it wasn't out yet. Uh, oh right, in the UK. It wasn't. It might have been playing <clears throat> in America at that point or coming out in America. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember looking at the website and it played some music and I was like, oh, this looks exciting. And I got the, I got the art book and I was like, ah, oh, when I see this. And I eventually saw it. I imported the DVD from America, I think. Ah. So I, the first time I saw it was when I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I had to wait for it to come out in the UK. And I, I, yeah, and I still went to see it at the cinema even though I had the DVD. Because um, it came to like the local university cinema. Oh, cool. Went. And... Um, so you've yeah. seen it with an audience? Yeah. Ah, uh, what was that like? Very good. <laughs> I, I just wondered like how people react to it because they yeah. liked it, I think. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, oh my yeah. god! I so, think onto there. Where's the world go? <laughs> it's ages Sorry. Ago. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Um. Yeah. So the first I saw it was on on DVD. Where you get a little intro from. From John Lester going, you're lucky you get. You're to lucky. Spirited yeah. away. I know. I remember those promos that he did, especially like he started that with Spirited Away, and then when they started getting more rights to do, uh, to do more of the Ghibli films, uh, and you know promote them through Disney, that you know he would get more. You know he had more of those promotionals to just before every one of those other films. But it's, I remember it started with Spirited Away. Yeah. So, and then I've seen it many times since, including <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Yep. Because <laughs> uh, obviously you have to rewatch it when you get the Blu-ray because it looks amazing with Blu-ray. Oh man, I need yeah. to get the Blu-ray copy. I know. I, I rewatched like I, I have almost almost every single Ghibli movie ever made. Almost save. Uh, I think the only one I'm currently missing is uh, when Marnie was there. That at least in terms of the stuff that was uh, released, you know, that's already on DVD. But um, I know Spirited Away was one of the first ones that I was able to get a hold of because that was the most readily available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time I ever watched it, I remember when back when we still had a video rental store or like a DVD rental in our local area. Um, I remember we were like my family and I were picking out you know movies to have for like a movie night that we would decide between all of us. And I end up you know I remember seeing advertisements because at the time when it was coming out in the U.S., there were just like there were promos like on almost every channel that I would watch as a kid. So they uh, basically just... I was remember seeing the trailer for it. I was curious, so I picked up the the DVD, and then it ended up being the one that we watched for that particular movie night, and I loved it from start to finish. And though I made a, mem- I made a mental note to never watch it with my parents again, because after uh, watching the first couple minutes, they were, they, they were invested, but the first part, like, you know, the first... 20 minutes terrified them <laughs> <laughs> my dad was especially freaked out so it's like and he's normally the kind of person you ne- like it's, you, it takes a lot to freak him out but he was just like no that movie was really cre- that was that movie was great but it was just really really creepy <laughs> it is creepy it is the creepiest Miyazaki movie I mm-hmm. think by far which is interesting because uh you'd think with other movies like uh say Mononoke that it would get a little bit more that was that had a lot more uh, yeah, yeah. Bloodshed and you know violence. You think that would be the more you know terrifying of the movies, but no. If you really look at it, it's uh, the idea of Spirited Away is you know in a sense like even more terrifying because while Ashitaka is more of a capable hero and can you know fight off stuff that comes at him, uh, 
Chihiro is uh, not that talented or not that skilled, I would say. She's, she's just weep. she's just a little shy, naive girl who's you know just in the process of moving and just being thrust in this other mm. otherworldly bathhouse and you know just just trying to survive by any means necessary. I tell you what I realized about the first bit um, when I rewatched it recently is the way Chihiro is basically where she's it's like ah oh, I don't want to get in trouble Every, you know parents are going to get in trouble oh, we're going to eat that is something that really um i, I identified with like from my own childhood that mm-hmm. i was that kind of kid that no you and me kid. both you and me both i was, I was you know it yeah. was it was the nightmare of getting in trouble with you know like if <laughs> like if your parents were doing something and and you like just that was the kind i think you know for a lot of kids it's probably like you say because i obviously you identify with it as well um <laughs> i was that was the the kind of nightmare for me as at that age or whatever so it completely makes sense because miyazaki's such so good at uh portraying children like mm-hmm. more than anyone else i think mm. um so that is something that's really true as a childhood trait of oh don't do that, mum and dad, you'll get in trouble. Or and it takes, some, it, takes yeah. it to Yeah. Also another part of part of it part like a um a similar thing that's going on in there is like her parents are having fun and that used to annoy me as well. <laughs> I'm not proud to say it, but like when I saw my parents having fun without me, it annoyed me. So I would <laughs> try to do anything I could to stop that from happening. <laughs> uh, not 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 like in a, in an extreme way, but just when Chihiro's like they you know when they're like they're, they're you know um her dad ends up literally following his nose to the mm-hmm. to the food they find eventually, and um and I I, I just yeah I watched it last night and I was thinking ah oh, they're having like fun without her and she feels left out because she doesn't want to do what they want to do mm-hmm. and she's just being like really whiny about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're you're right. You're right, Chris. It's it. The um the observations on like particularly uh, the behavior of children, but of but of people in general, I think, mm-hmm. is what um, Miyazaki has like a true gift for, and it's why Chihiro, even though she's actually kind of plain at the beginning, um, is still interesting to watch. Yeah, it's 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 part of like you know the human human quality that's in everybody. Like we've all we all have those moments growing up mm. where we just we're doing forced into something that we don't want to do, and what do we do when that happens? When especially when you're that young, you you throw fits. You try to be as you know contrary as possible, and mm-hmm. that's that's very very clearly you know, from the beginning that that's just that's the kind of point that Chihiro is in since she's being uh, her family's just moving to a new home and she's not happy about it at all so she's just being trying to give her parents as hard of a time as she possibly can but then when you know push comes to shove and she has to you know try to survive on her own that's where that's when the real real her comes you know comes out I would think or just like you know you can see yeah. her who she really is I think I think it's not actually 
it, it, it's funny the language you're using. I think I don't think that she comes out. I think she develops. That's like, true. Truly. I mean, that's that's the better word. I yeah, think. I was. Just... I, I I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Like usually at all with uh, with with you with you, like using those words, but particularly in the case of Jahira, I think her experience really is the making of her. Mm-hmm. And she's carrying nothing at the start, apart from some flowers which she you know she's more concerned about um i don't know just just petty things and then by the end of the movie she's recognizing other people and she's really doing things that that whiny girl in the car could never do that's fair yeah that's really what the whole point of the movie is about in in a way Mm. is the fact that this girl is you know through this experience she's become a different you know she's she's grown She's grown up. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta ask you guys a question, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be really dead honest about this. I don't know if I love Spirited Away. Um, it's a really really weird movie, and <laughs> I think it's a really weird movie for people to be introduced to Miyazaki with, uh, in the way that the um, like you know, as the marketing campaign you were talking about, Rachel, kind of did just go look. Here's a thing you're going to love it. like Because I don't think it's the typical Miyazaki movie, even though it does have many of his... Um, uh, it shares, like, lots of his themes and traits. You know, there's there's flying and there's a strong female hero- heroine and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there are, there are gods and all of that sort of stuff. But um, I want to ask you guys, why do you like this movie? Because I think I like it, but I couldn't actually tell you why. <laughs> well, because I always hear people saying, oh, "I love Spirited Away," but like, I want to know why you love it. Well, I guess the big part for me is tied to what we were just talking about a minute ago, and like, I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, using proper words to describe it, obviously. But um, it was basically the journey that uh, Chihiro takes to be, uh, you know, starting as that kind of that little whiner. Mm-hmm whiner in the car to be this you know this girl who's just you know who's seen you know who's experienced this incredible journey and has grown up because of it and right. uh you know because like you said I, that was that was something i could genuinely relate to because i was i was that kid i was that whiner in the car you know just <laughs> yeah. saying just like if someone's having fun without me i feel left out wah 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 mm-hmm. but um it was it was really you know inspiring to see someone who behaved so, like you know a little bit like I did when I was a kid and just was able to grow up as a result and basically kind of like okay well, if she can do it so can you kind of thing well, I didn't I didn't really see it as like her in the same way as there being a big whiner and oh, I don't want people to have fun without me so perhaps that means I didn't identify that because that's what I was like and I just didn't realise I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was I was um, I thought I was there just with the um, d- didn't want to get in trouble. Perhaps <laughs> I was actually awful. I don't know. No, it it makes sense, and I think um, that's actually something about these sorts of stories, which is really interesting and is often kind of unavoidable. Um, and that's in uh, it, there kind of seems to be like a mini subgenre of stories about girls entering magical worlds and mm-hmm. then Alice in Wonderland. Coming of, 
Alice in Wonderland, Coraline, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, you know, there there are loads of them. And I think one of the things that I kind of struggle with with not just this movie, but also those stories, is that um, the protagonist actually has to be kind of plain Mm -hmm. so that as an audience you can project upon them and as 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 we're kind of finding out like as as me and as me and chris's like different interpretations of her behavior are kind of proving you get involved with it in your own way yeah and there's less of a clear definition of who this character is uh, than there would be in in most movies and actually most Miyazaki movies it's really like so like this is kind of going back to what I was what I was saying I think it's a a, a typical Miyazaki movie and um, certainly around the time it was being made I understand it was really kind of seen that way it was marketed as like kind of scary um, and like mm-hmm. yeah, creepy to the to the Japanese audiences because apparently um Suzuki the producer recognized that ring uh had been really popular so he did everything he could to try and make it seem like a scary movie and also amongst Miyazaki's staff they recognized that he was trying to depict people uh particularly Chihiro and Chihiro's, Chihiro's mom and dad um trying to depict people as they actually were. Because if you look at Miyazaki's movies, he will often um, show the best of people. And whilst they do have villains and uh, and things like that, um, they uh, most of his characters are like idealized versions of of personalities, I think. And that's what makes his characters very endearing. But he hadn't really tackled, frankly, unlikability in his characters uh, in such an honest way as he as he does in a spirited way. Hmm. I wouldn't uh, say they're unlikable. <laughs> they're not. No, they're not unlikable. But he's. They're flawed, maybe. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's that's probably. A, better way of phrasing it yeah flawed but his but he depicts the flaws of most of the characters i think in spirited way and situations in spirited way in a way that he kind of hasn't before um i see i think i see where you're going at least in his children's movies he's he's very um i think like the main thing is just the greed of the parents at the start of the movie Mm. it's very much seen as like a grotesque negative behavior which uh is kind of judged actually in a in a way that i don't think he's judged his characters before yeah and i I guess i can kind of see what you're saying it's at least from the way i saw it when i first you know experienced this movie it Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me like um when i first watched pinocchio and uh, you you find out that right. all the boys who are raising a ruckus for getting turned into those donkeys to work in the yes, salt mines. Yes. And in the similar way that all of a sudden, like you know, you're the uh, this harmless act or what you think would be uh, like a harmless act of greed is like you said, it's judged very harshly 
and they're turned into pigs because of it. Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 seemed like a similar a similar transformation. Uh, I in that then of course that after having already seen Pinocchio, that kind of struck me to the core. And by the time that you realize what's happened and Shahira runs off screaming, I was like, I was almost tempted to join her. I'm like, oh god, not again. Yeah, it's a it's a really classic fairy tale setup, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. very um, it's very like sparing and uh, to the point, basically. I remember there was um. There's a there's a great documentary that you can find. I, I saw it on YouTube and it was taken down. Um, actually, I think it was like shot in 2002, where just Miyazaki goes and visits John Lasseter at, um, at Pixar, mm-hmm. and he talks a lot about the making of Spirited Away in that in that uh, documentary. It's a really weird documentary. I say it's a documentary. It's more like they just put home movies on a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, but there are a few like private conversations which are which are filmed where he talks about like his filmmaking and they're really interesting. And one of the things that um, comes up in that documentary is um, uh, Lasseter uh, talks about how he remembers Miyazaki visited him some three years previously or four years previously when he was just starting to make Spirited Way, and there was a whole scene where they actually. Um, were like in a moving van and they ended up at like the house and it was bare or something like that and they went back out and um knowing all that stuff kind of you know uh, makes the beginning of the movie seem all the more um like uh purposefully trying to be very simple and fairy tale like um which is again I I would say kind of atypical for a Miyazaki movie. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I think I can see what you're saying that he's he basically in this movie he embraced the fairy tale genre. Yeah, a little yeah. more than some of his other movies have. I think yeah the genre yeah and and the conventions and the way that things play out. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. We've, we haven't got past the first ten minutes of the movie yet. No, I was going to say we haven't actually we haven't got into the bathhouse yet. Is what I was I was going to describe it. <laughs> you mean the old? You mean you mean the old? It's a bathhouse. And <laughs> um, what I was just going to I was just going to say. Do you think that when you when you think of it as having more of a fa- traditional fairy tale structure, or whatever? Mm. Do you think that's why it's so accepted? With Western audiences, because it's more mm. typical of, I think, of a... I think, part, like, in the back of my brain, I, th- I think that that could be a very good reason why, you know, why it is so, ex- you know, widely accepted, or why it kind of caught on at, you know, first, more than any of the other uh, uh, Ghibli movies did. At least, I know since it was one of the first ones I saw, I don't know that if, you know, if more people had seen the other ones at that point. This is just my, you know, I've, I'm not I'm not that well-versed in that. But I know, like I said, the marketing for this movie was everywhere, and they're like saying this is like no movie you've ever seen, kind of promotion. And and then when I would you know see people who had seen it and then encourage me to watch it, they were basically saying the exact same things. Like it's, it's comparing it to uh, stories like Alice in Wonderland and stuff like that, because I think there's there's there is a certain universal appeal about like certain elements that you see you can only find in fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So, although people were like, "Oh, all the Japanese 
yokai and everything are completely alien to me, but there's something familiar in the story mm. that I recognise, mm -hmm. and that made it easier for people to get on board. Yeah, that yeah, one. that's true. That's true. I think it's it's also like Miyazaki's most Japanese movie. I mean, before you even get to like the imagery, there's just there's Japanese writing everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can watch this and not be constantly reminded of Japan. Yeah. Um, in the fact that, you know, like they're always eating traditional food and the architecture is traditional Japanese architecture. Oh, and there are yokai everywhere. So <laughs> you get. I, I, I am always actually surprised that people do get past that in actual fact because I know certain people, um, like, I, I've tried showing it to my mum. Um, in, in the past, I mean, she loves it now. It's kind of something of a Christmas tradition, like it's a Christmas morning movie. It's oh, turned, nice! Turned out to be because yeah. it can kind of, you know, if you're not awake and you're watching it, it's fine because it's pretty. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, but it's. Uh, I remember first time showing that she was like, "Oh, it's Chinese!" Like it, you know, it 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 was very. Um, clearly Japanese, very Asian in its uh, imagery. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I actually, per and also personally, I find that very um, uh, unfamiliar. It's a, a sort of a world to be in, in a whole movie. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of used to it now, but it's, it's really, I mean... Uh, I was I was reading there's actually there's a great book about Spirited Away written by Andrew Osmond. Um Oh yeah. The B in the BFI Classics um uh collection. And it's a, it's a really really good like comprehensive uh breakdown of of the story and the production and then also it goes into um sort of like literary analysis almost of the movie and what it's what it's saying. Mm -hmm. And um, and in that he he mentions how uh, Japanese audiences reacted to it, almost with a sense of uh, like um, nostalgia, because Miyazaki was depicting things which had not been seen by Japanese audiences, um, at least in that way, for a very long time apparently, and. Uh, Supposedly, there's a very strong like cultural um, reaction that Japanese audiences have to the movie um, because of those things, uh, and it's kind of beautiful. I remember also uh, Miyazaki talking about um, how he wanted to depict uh, these things as colourful because, for whatever reason, they uh, he he just felt that the 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 vibrancy of um, Japanese and also Asian um, like culture had not been depicted in such a vibrant way, uh, and he he made lots of efforts uh, to to make the movie colourful and to push. It's a very red movie, mm. like literally, mm -hmm. there's red everywhere, and uh, oh yeah, of, you know it helps it helps that that feeling, but. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's it is odd how how for me when I hear people talking about the movie, how it's it's complete Japanese ness is not it sometimes just goes without mention. Hmm. Yeah, and it is interesting. I mean, I, I think again that's tied to the whole the fact that you know even despite having 
a lot of these characters or references to you know you know Japanese myths and lore that a lot of you know the world you know certain parts of the world don't really know that much about if at all it's yeah, still something yeah in actual fact I heard that Miyazaki actually created a lot of these and they're kind of reminiscent of traditional things but most of them are just uh, his own creations actually really that's interesting though no, that, that that may be another reason. The fact that it's just like it's they're they're based on something from traditional Japanese lore, but they're still different enough that you know there's still something new and unique to the film, and because of that, that also helps with uh, you know audiences yeah. outside of Japan kind of just getting on board as something like okay, I don't really get what this is about, but that's kind of the appeal. <laughs> That, that, that's, yeah. that's also part of yeah. the appeal of the movie because the fact that you know a lot of this stuff seems alien to Chihiro as well. So and she's and we're trying to adapt with her as she's adapting to her new surroundings. Right. It's funny you say that because um, in in the, in the Andrew Osmond book he mentions how that was actually very purposeful. Miyazaki mm-hmm. was making an effort to reconnect Japanese youth with uh, Japanese culture. Um, traditional culture that might have been lost or or forgotten and he was very mm-hmm. conscious supposedly of Chihiro's reaction to that uh, okay, in the movie okay that makes sense yeah that's one of the reasons why I think you have a lot of stories of a character being whisked off to another alternate world or whatever because you're introduced with them so yeah, yeah that's true yeah you don't you don't because otherwise you just dump people in the world and like, oh, this is the world, get on with it. But this, mm-hmm. you have a character going, oh, what's this? So someone could go, well, you see, the thing is, right. in this right. world, so it helps for exposition. You have flippers. But, <laughs> but, but also, I mean, Chihiro's reaction to when, um, and I mean, it's a, it's a really inspired uh, way to get her into that world where the lanterns are lit and suddenly before she knows it nighttime is just another world yeah pretty and much. things that look familiar in the dark don't look the same um yeah so when she enters this world she's immediately like rejecting it she's all you know it's a dream it's a dream and she she, she does that thing where she she tries to run across uh um the rocks, but there's a river there. Yeah, yeah I, I the that. river. The rivers come back up when it just used to be yeah rocks. And, and I she's said, that. yeah, and she's just like rocking backwards and forwards, like saying it's a dream, it's a dream. And um, I mean that. Yeah, and that stuff is like is really great because you know, like in any in, in any movie, when someone says I don't believe it, you're going to believe it because <laughs> that's just the way audience. Because you're react. seeing what's happening on those with them. It's like well. Mm-hmm. We're going there because you know it's yeah. a movie. It's like you know we're going to this place for a reason. Like it, this can't just all be an illusion unless they decide yeah. to pull like it was all a dream kind of like you know yeah. thing. But it's like it's too early in the movie to do that. Yeah, we just sat there like going, "Sorry, sweetie, you're here. You're <laughs> here, and so are we." Yeah, and, and instantly you've got those ships with the with all the yokai coming off. Like, oh yeah, I love though. I love the duck ones. They're I decided the the giant duck things. Oh, yeah. Things. yeah, those uh, are my favorite. Oh my god, when they sink into the bath and just overflows. Mm. Yeah, that's that looks that is bliss. 
You just want to be there, don't you? Well, those the bat the bathhouse in general, with the way that it's set up, and then you look at the size of those baths are just just like wow. They're like some of them are like the size of swimming pools. Like when you have Chihiro like standing next to one, and they have to clean it out. It's just, yeah, it's like yeah, freaking me, ginormous. Miyazaki's a genius when it comes to depicting scale mm-hmm. and how big something feels. It'll he'll always um, if something is big. There will always be a contrast or an example of how it affects something that's small or how it feels when someone tries to lift the heavy thing. Mm-hmm. It always, yeah, it always feels so tactile, doesn't it? It really does. And that does, again, that's part of the whole way that they were able to really sell this this yeah, alternate world absolutely. is because of the fact that we have all of these different creatures, not just their designs, but also the scale in mm. terms of like some of these things are huge and while some are not so huge. Like you've got yeah. the little, uh, you got the little frog yokai in the with the, uh, the robot. So cool. Yeah, so he's like one of the smallest things you see in this bathhouse. And then you have um, the big, uh, what, what's it? What, what was he called? Like the radish, the big radish guy that stands. The thing that's not elevator. Totoro. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> the Totoro. Not Totoro. The red, radish spirit. Radish spirit. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I had a radish. Was it like a radish? Okay. The thing with the boobs. <laughs> I wasn't going to try and call it that, but yeah, that's actually something that I remember the most. The radish like, boobs. It's got radish boobs. It has. It's <laughs> such a weird film, guys. It's it really so weird is. that it's just like still accepted, but it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like That's why it's amazing. Even for me, like, even for me it's, it's so strange, though. Like... As I was saying, like I, I came, I kind of warm to. Um, I mean, I guess this is just, you know, growing up in in the UK and like Europe, and but it's, I warm to like the Kikis and the Laputas, and I mean, actually, even like, I, I think even even uh, Spiritual Way is like more Japanese than The Wind Rises, or or even like maybe only Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, I just you know what, maybe maybe I'm probably using the word Japanese wrong there, but it's very unfamiliar. Um, it's it it's like sitting in his sketchbook. Yeah, it's just like this this world that basically he just kind of gave life in his you know through his sketches and then just yeah. being just like dumped right into it with little to no explanation, much like you know Chihiro is in the film. So it's just like it's. It, almost like a sensory overload with how much, how fast, and how quickly all these you know strange creatures and images you know yeah you know, up and come yeah. after the other. That's that's a really good point to make as well. Up until, I mean, it was um, up until the point that it was released. It was, and actually, in many ways, still kind of like the most detailed and busy and um, and like lush and moving Miyazaki film, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much going on and everything is drawn uh, quite detailed actually oh yeah um, that is kind of due to the animation director in actual fact um, uh, Masashi Who's, who's An- the anime- I'm sorry I interrupted what you were saying his name I was about to tell you sorry. Uh, it's exciting no, no, sorry. no sorry that sounded like really dickish <laughs> sorry but I oh. was um, he's called Masashi Ando or okay. Adam Masashi, depending on, uh, you know, how you feel. 
Mm-hmm. And um, he, I think he's worked with Miyazaki since, I want to say, um, maybe the mid-90s. He, he was an animation director also on um, Princess Mononoke. And um, around Spirited Away, Miyazaki began to try and delegate um, a lot of his uh, duties, which were mainly uh, correcting the animation. Mm-hmm. So that means basically someone would draw the keyframes and it would not be drawn exactly the way he wanted. So he would then, you know, put a new sheet of paper over it and um, draw how it ought to be or adjust a pose or make something more on, in character. Um but, you know, he, he was getting very tired and he wanted to try and delegate that. So that's why Masashi Ando um, has such a big role, I think, in the look of Spirited Away. Because mm-hmm. he he finalized the character designs from Miyazaki's sketches. And he has a very, um, quite a realistic kind of approach. He was also the animation director on um, When Marnie Was There. Okay. And also on A Letter to Momo. So he naturally tends towards a more realistic style than Miyazaki would usually take, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm um, starting to really ling him. I mean, there's definitely the still Miyazaki style in the yeah. look and the animation, but you can tell that there is something that there is a little bit different. At least if you look back at some of the movies that Miyazaki had done in the past, there is still a bit of a difference. It's it's a lot more detailed and it's... um. It's a lot more realistic in the movement. Mm-hmm. And and this actually also extended, um, apparently, to Ando... Uh, so the thing I was talking about earlier where um, I was... Uh, where, where Chris kind of um, helped me along to explain that the characters are... Um, I said less idealised. What was the word you used, Chris? Flawed. Flawed, Flawed yeah. So um, Ando wanted to push that essentially, mainly with Chihiro. So, mm-hmm. um, supposedly, during the start of production, which was, which also, because the films are made in, uh, like, straight chronological order, um, the early part of the movie is supposedly more Ando's Chihiro. So, she is behaving with, um, the main thing that he said he wanted to see was doubt. Mm-hmm. As, um as uh, a behavior that was played out before she acted. Um, He was kind of thinking, I guess, very, um, you know, very um, methodically about the acting in the movie. Yeah. Uh, And and apparently at a certain point that sort of took over, uh, Miyazaki sort of took over it and and, um, he pushed Jihiro more into what he wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, that's sort of, I think one of the main differences with the look of the movie and probably where it, where it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is an interesting point that that you'd have those two creative powers uh, over, at least over the design of the movie and how each of the, their different perspectives brought something unique to the film. And I mean, well, you know, Miyazaki was in the director's chair. And so ultimately nothing would go through without his say. So it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to hear, but you know, someone else who was involved on in the movie who had a lot of influence and, basically was able to get a lot more of his, you know, a lot of his own 
like vision of what the movie should be or what the character should do into the film. And this is another Miyazaki film that hasn't really got a hasn't got a it kind of got a villain, but mm-hmm. kind of not. It's yeah, because yeah, I mean, go ahead, finish your thought. Because because is, but isn't she's she's sort of introduced as if she is, but then ultimately isn't really. Mm. She's introduced very kinda... much as a villain. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's the most clear cut villain that Miyazaki's had since um, uh, what's his cravat? Laputa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moose something. Oh, Moose. Mushka. Mushka, yeah, Mushka, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, him, because, uh, like, when she's introduced, it's like the lighting is dark and it's very, me- the music is very menacing. It's mm-hmm. just like that piano, like, um, the high the high keys on the piano just like going ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. The, all those doors, like, in that really, like, elaborate, like, ritzy hallway, like, just open up on their own. Yeah, yeah, and she's, like, pulled through. See, like, there are so many unforgettable, uh, like, moments like that in this movie. Which is which is kind of remarkable. <laughs> when she's on the phone and the skull... Skull, <laughs> yeah. skull talk. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, just, yeah. So she's... You think maybe she's, like, a typical villain, but not really. In the end, yeah, she's just just a selfish old lady. Well, yeah, I I never kind of so watching Spirited Away is like going it's and it sounds like a um like a a, a cliche and an annoying one, but it's like going on a trip really. Mm-hmm. It's 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 um it's real stream of consciousness stuff, and. Um, I think, like, for those who don't know, it should be mentioned that Miyazaki makes his movies in that fashion. Um, he storyboards the first 20 or so minutes, and then the film goes into production. So it's, it starts production without anyone knowing what the ending is going to be. And uh, I think Spirit is Away is his movie... Is, is is the movie of his which most uh, meanders, frankly. It does, a little bit. I will, in, I will admit in, that. In that. It doesn't fashion. have a clear beginning. It has a clear beginning, like you said, but then it just kind of wanders well, into the ending. Yeah, I mean, it has a clear beginning, but also, like, it introduces things and immediately drops them mm-hmm. and picks up on things which you don't think is significant to be uh, wildly significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that sort of like stream of consciousness like way of watching it is that I'm constant. I feel like I'm constantly trying to understand it, um, and I don't actually. Uh, I don't quite understand what's going on with Yubaba and her twin. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was literally Yubaba and in the fashion of the Witch of the Waste. Um, she had literally just come to her senses. Mm. Uh, but but it's the fact that she has a twin. She literally has a yeah. twin. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. She's got a house. <laughs> you can't be a person. Okay. Gotcha. You see, like... You wouldn't, you wouldn't, 
You wouldn't buy a house for your alternate personality or whatever, would you? <laughs> it depends how far it goes. I mean, Tyler Durden did. Well, to be fair, I, and I only just realized this now, um, you never see Yubaba or Zaniba in the <sighs> same scene. My God, it's... Uh, it just dawned on me, actually. That, that it's is Andy an Kaufman and it's Tony Clifton all over again. <laughs> But no, like that's an interesting design choice. I don't know if it's just like they didn't want to have both of the you know characters that mm. look so similar right next to each other, and would throw up, you know would just. I think it's very much. purposeful that she looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that Miyazaki was trying to explore with the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, like I, I was pretty much done. Like when you think about, uh, for example, No Face. He is the most ambiguous character that Miyazaki has ever, and I think that's yeah. ever been in a in a in a popular animated movie. I still don't know what the hell's going on with him, and I don't. I and don't. I, I think I, that's kind of the point. That's the point, but almost to the point where I don't even like the idea of having like merchandise of him. I don't mm. think he's something that should be. Um, Beloved, in the way that he kind of seems to be. Yeah, I think uh, I think he was. I would be more by that concept. I think there should be if there's merchandise involved that there should be more of merchandise of Haku since he is he's the other character other than Shihiro that's in uh, No Face that's you know presented in the uh, promotional art and uh, yeah, it's it's funny like you know there would be more No Face merchandise than of Haku. So 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 let's like get into this. Have you guys mm-hmm. heard of the? Um, it's you can't you kind of sometimes see it floating around the internet as uh, well. You won't believe the kids movie is actually about this, but in actual fact, it's true. So Spirited okay. Away. Do you know what the bathhouse is about? What? So this is like kind of ambiguous kind of territory. Um, of course, obviously, it's a bathhouse straight up. It's a resort of sorts mm-hmm. for, for gods. But um, bathhouses also offered other services. Oh, oh uh. okay. And in actual fact, um, in, in interviews around like the release and afterwards, Miyazaki has mentioned that he knew that the... The, the movie was thematically dealing with uh, a literal loss of innocence. And in some ways, the bathhouse um, uh, can like represent the sex industry, frankly. Okay, yeah. And once you factor that in, that's simply why I don't like No Face. Because he's huh. straight up predatory. Oh my god! No, and whilst, yeah, I'm yeah, beginning to see I, that. And whilst Chihiro, you know, and you know, like this is just an interpretation because, as I said, he's very ambiguous. But whilst Chihiro takes him in, she's always, and I, 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 I noticed this. She's always very good to keep a distance. She knows well, yeah, that he might eat you. Yes, it, precisely. Like, what's more predatory than that? <laughs> and and the fact he's like trying to bri- like it's it's the guy offering you sweets saying get in my car 
And she's saying no. Like when he's offering her the gold, she's. Oh, ruined spirit. I'm not ruining it. I think this is <laughs> this is, and and you know I'm I'm, you know I'm the first one to stand up and say, come on. It, you know, uh, it doesn't say sex in The Lion King. And yeah, no, yeah. All of that stuff. It's not but one of those things. I'm pretty sure this is actually in the movie. And when you uh, also see it in the context of things like Pan's Labyrinth and um, Alice in Wonderland, uh, it's kind of unavoidably tied to those sorts of movies, uh, to those sorts of stories, rather. Um, and I think that is a, I mean I'll be honest that was actually the thing that was the key to Spirited Away for me in terms of um, understanding how to read it because faced with all this imagery that is just mental you, you kind of need like certain ways to read imagery I think when, you, when you're really watching a movie closely um, and once you sort of start looking at it through the lens of, so not just simply I'm talking like through the lens of, uh, you know, the sex industry, but specifically about, Chihiro, I mean, it's very purposely mentioned that Chihiro is 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's like right on the, um, on the cusp of like entering, uh, adolescence and puberty. And, yeah, that was really the key for the movie for me. Um, and I mean, like, it, it, it's it got, like, lots of um, imagery going on, which is traditionally um, associated with uh, womanhood. I mean, the flowers uh, mm-hmm. is one thing. I mean, that's something that, um, that Miyazaki uses in actual fact um, a lot to signify... Um, as, as kind of like a very, uh, I guess, like we would think of as like a, a Victorian kind of way of talking about sexuality or thematically alluding to it mm-hmm. without um, being explicit. The scene, I, do you know what, the, the scene that I always think about with this stuff is um, the flower garden in Howl's Moving Castle. Ah, uh-huh. When, how... I mean, you can certainly read that that scene like that. You know, how saying, look, I, I've got something to show you. Um, so I, didn't mean to, <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> now I've got all sorts of imagery in my head. But um, he's, you know, he's he's saying, like, you know, I've got something to show you. And, and the oh, scene yeah. is filmed in a very, uh, like, sensual way. No, yeah. It's a couple walking through flowers and you know flowers mean reproduction and stamens and all that stuff so <laughs> so like i always think of that scene and um in spirited away there's a scene where she's literally you know that 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 shot that everyone knows where she's running through the flowers as they sort of whiz past her that mm-hmm. sort of semi 3d shot yeah um and it, it was inter- it's, it's, it is an interesting thing to watch the movie uh with those uh, goggles on sort of thing. Well, that's um, part of what makes the movie so special. Is, I mean, obviously when you first watch it, you're going to, you know, mm. you're going to take from it and see things, you know, just in the way your brain is wired to work, you know, and just yeah. take it in as you as you will, but that's one of the cool things about, you know, watching it multiple times is that you'll get certain things or you'll see certain things, you know, 
with those, mm-hmm. like you said, with those different lenses on, and you'll mm. see, you'll discover something about the movie that you never, maybe, really even considered that first watch. Yeah, I mean, to, to be clear, I mean, what I'm talking about is, is, you know, I, 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 I realized like maybe in a maybe in various ways like too art house me or something, but I really want to understand the movie when I watch it. No, and yeah. understand what it's saying. And I gotta be like, uh, you know, th- I gotta be honest, like the first maybe four times I saw Spirited Away, I didn't get what it was saying. I mean, <laughs> apart from the, you know, the, uh, the very obvious sort of uh, change in hero where she's, um, you know, more mature and assured. And in the dub, there's actually the, um, that line that was added. That's something like, <laughs> I think I'll be all right. What is it? Is is it that? I think I can handle it. Yes, I think I can handle that. it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, I broadly understood that the movie was about, you know, her, um, yeah, changing enough to, to be able to face what she needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like needed the the analysis of it uh, contextualized with with the sort of Alice in Wonderland kind of archetypal story mm-hmm. um, to really sort of like begin to appreciate just like what an um, what a what a smart movie it is. But I am kind of surprised at just how well hidden that stuff is, and kind of how how long it takes for that stuff to surface because it wasn't obvious to me on like i said like the first like four watches mm-hmm. it was it's a very layered movie there's just mm. so much pat like we like we've been saying it there's just so much not just detail and characters and movement and animation and story but just there's just way 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 too many layers just like somehow packed into one movie and it's not it's not a jumbled mess. It is. It's still able to tell a cohesive narrative. It's just that narrative has got, got just so much packed into it that you, if you look hard enough, you can find mm. stuff like that. Mm. Which is just something that I still try to wrap my head around. Like, oh, how 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 could they manage this in just one movie? When you think like it's sometimes they at least you know films some like you know have tried to do stuff like that and just haven't been able to do it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I guess, I mean, honestly, I only have that reaction usually with, like, Stanley Kubrick movies. Mm-hmm. Where, or, like, um, or Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, where I'm, like, watching them and I'm like, I don't understand this, but I'm going to be watching this for the rest of my life trying to understand <laughs> what the hell is going on. <laughs> like, I'll be spending the whole rest of my life trying to figure out what what in the hell is this. Like, what it's, yeah, what's 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 it saying? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, is, is, that's is, part of what makes it a special movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's 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 so rich. Especially, like, have you guys read um, the books that were released um, full of, like, Miyazaki's writings? No, I've been no. wanting to, though. So, like, reading those really... Um, uh, brings to light a couple of things that happen in the movie and and sort of it it's it's kind of interesting to hear the to see the events to sorry to read about the events that happened in his life and how they were kind of reinterpreted 
um, in the movie. Uh, the most obvious one is the scene where the uh, stink monster comes. Ah, yes. And Chihiro is uh, given the task that no one wants to do, which is to, to give them a bath. And um, you'll remember about halfway through the scene, she finishes giving him a bath and he sort of like shows her there's a thorn she thinks it is in his side. And it's a bicycle um, handlebar. And she pulls it out. And it's sort of like a, you know, it is it is like a thorn. It just, everything comes gushing out. And it's mm-hmm. filthy. Well, that actually comes from um, uh, Miyazaki's, uh, like, local neighborhood. Apparently, they clean rivers oh. a lot. And supposedly once they did actually find a bike in a river. It was so filthy. Oh, my goodness. Um. And uh, so, like, that's just, like, one of the things that sort of means that I have to keep watching Spirited Away again because (laughs) there are just things that I I keep hearing about and I I have to, like, go back to Spirited Away like a a kind of Rosetta Stone that I'm trying to crack because I just, (laughs) it's so rich, but I can't, you know, get my head around it. No, um, I don't know and, what you mean. And and another thing that um, was in his writings, and this is the, the last thing, sorry, that I'll, that I'll say. That's I'll, okay. Uh, I'll right. let someone else have a turn. Um, is uh, there's a, um, there's a th- it's kind of like a theme park, but not quite, um, uh, supposedly in, in Tokyo near Miyazaki, um, where... Uh, it's like a. It seems to be like a village that's set up with um, uh, lots of different styles of houses from different periods um, in in sort of Japanese architecture. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I guess Chris, how we have like, do you know like like working museums? Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing where they get like a an old town and they'll try and you know. Um, recreate what what it was like then um yeah and you have like the victorian shops and yeah and like tea around. rooms and you go and see yeah. the blacksmith and all of that sort of thing mm. well it seems like there's a similar sort of thing in japan um, near where miyazaki lives and he became very very attached to this um to this park i can't find the name of it um i i should have come a bit more prepared but uh it's okay you've been i know you know you've been very busy basically it's the foundation of the whole theme park at the start of the movie where it's kind where it looks at first to us like an old building and then jihiro's dad sort of knocks on it and goes oh it's plaster Ah. Um, and the the, so like the town that um miyazaki's talking talking about um is it's it's like a recreation of a lost time for him and he gets very nostalgic walking around that area and what i think is so uh what what struck me about the movie when i saw it last night was this very um kind of like it, it it would be so easy to just absolutely dismiss that kind of thing because it's not authentic because it's not you know um because it wasn't built at the time Mm-hmm. And, and because it's not made out of the right materials 
And when Chihiro crosses uh, uh, to the spirit world and she tries to go across the river, you see that plaster building again. And it's all lit up. And, you know, the one with the clock tower. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you see it all lit up. And it looks magnificent. And it looks authentic. And Miyazaki's kind of saying, this is authentic. Mm -hmm. And I thought there was a real sweetness to that. Um, The idea that, you know, look, this isn't the real thing, but that's okay. It's trying to capture the spirit of what what once was. And as long as it does that, then it doesn't matter whether it's real or fake. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing desperate about that plight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really, um, yeah, that was just one small thing that stood out to me. That is fantastic. I tell you, I've learned more about this movie than I ever, I mean, just, just listening to you talk about it, Dan, like, I, I've learned more about it. Like, I I know I literally watched it just recently, so I would be ready for today's episode, but now I kind of just want to go back and watch it again. Damn it. I, I told away. you, I've I been... Can't... I can't I've been quit trying you scared it away. I've been trying to crack it. I've been trying to crack it. <laughs> can can we talk a little bit about some of the the creatures and stuff? Sure. By all means. They are You need a Pokedex. <laughs> yeah, you are... could literally like it's like a Yokai watch kind of like scenario where you just have yeah. all of these different things. Like you need a list of them because they're just there's so many. I mean, we've obviously already mentioned the um, the the uh, radish. Went, yeah, the, rat, the radish spirit. Yeah, we've the duck, the duck things. Mm-hmm. They're the best. The duck... With their little green, yeah. with their leaf hats. Do they have leaf yeah. hats? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think so yeah, and just like you look at like scenes in the bathhouse and you see like different car- creatures all m- mulling around in the background, just getting on with it, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. Just amazing. It feels so. What... It made me. It made me wonder. Like, is this just? Is there just the the bathhouse and the the alien the spirits have have a train as well? Is there like a whole parallel world? Is there like somewhere? Is there like a spirit airport? Ah, uh, I th- yeah. Well, you know what? Because sorry, Dan, did you have something you wanted to say? First? Well, I I want to say I don't think that the movie operates on that logic. <laughs> I'm not in 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 all seriousness. I think that it's purposefully obtuse about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the river stink spirit just yeah. sort of your first time you see him, he's just like coming into town. Like, where's the entrance to that town? Mm. It kind of purposefully doesn't show you it to make you feel like it's a dream world. Very, very like you know, and this world is this 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 phrase is like thrown around a lot, but I think it, in this case it really um, it counts. It's a real dreamlike logic. Mm-hmm. And and there's like the frog, <laughs> little frog. The frog yokai, yeah. And then then there's the um like the the guy who's who um I can't he's like a he's a staff member. And he looks a bit like he, he. Basically, he's got a frog face, and he looks a bit like Nigel Farage. <laughs> and he, and all he needs, all he needs, is a pint, and he's Nigel Farage. And he's, and he's, <laughs> and he's, he's voiced by John Ratzenberger in the dub. And oh yeah. no, yeah, I know that. Yeah, they're like there's some of the, I'm, I'm trying to think what they're supposed to be like. Um, at least 
those some of those characters because I mean they're you know they're even some of uh they almost look like I wouldn't say they look like geishas necessarily but you know like uh kind oh of the like, women look kind of froggy don't they yeah they do mm. yeah like there's a general theme going on with like all the staff members in the bathhouse I mean the ones that look like the most human at least are the uh, the girls that Shahira works with but obviously right. Lin's, they're, they're Lin's girls as well. Yeah, and and so is Lynn because uh, she she can they they all recognize Shihiro as human off mm-hmm. the bat. I think does she does also smell to her at the start? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I love that detail, by the way. Like like not um like that's something that Miyazaki tries to do is is evoke senses that movies don't actually have. Mm-hmm. So smells and tastes and warmth and stuff like that. I love yeah, and how, how... The, how the characters react to said stuff. Like I mean, yeah. especially with this movie, like, like the sense of smell is all over the place because not only you have you know the fact that apparently Chihiro has a distinct bad odor to all the spirits, but then when the uh, the stink spirit comes in and everyone's like that, you know, this they're literally like Lynn had a bowl of has bowls of rice, and when the thing goes past, it literally like disintegrates. The rice. Yes. Just how bad the smell That's is. That's genius. That. That's genius. Yeah. The, um. So, like, how do you guys feel about the creatures? Do you think they all? Because I do see some, and I think like I don't want to go near you. And then there are others <laughs> no, like the yeah. ducks, where you're like, please, can I be one of you? Like, can I cuddle with you, kind of thing? But yeah, the others, some of the other ones, like, just kind of want to stand as far away from you as possible. Yeah, there were <laughs> there were quite a few. Um, I think there were like a couple be... like ogre looking like guys. Oh, like, probably, the like, guys big... with like the like the the, the tusks. Yes. Mm. Them. The, the soot spirits. You don't want them as pets. They're cute. Oh god! I want yeah, them those... as slaves. They are the hard workers. Yeah. There's that. There's just one of the uh, that sequence is amazing with the with the soot spirits where she accidentally drops the drops the the um the rock on one of oh them and and then she uh, so she has to she has to put it in the furnace and then all the other such sprites work out they, 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 <laughs> they just drop it on themselves like oh please help us do it for us it's so <laughs> funny I think it's do you know what actually one thing that I, I did note down watching it last night I think it's the funniest Miyazaki movie yes. it's the most yeah. like obviously yeah. Um, like entertaining, it's really working to an audience. I think mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. all of those like little um, like gags, but they they all come from the characters like earnestly trying to do their best. <laughs> or, Even no. later on, when she's back in that same exact room, when that uh, that cursed slug is uh, running around on the floor, and she squishes it with her foot, and the mm. whole thing that they mm. do with the breaking the curse the thing where the um the, the oh, spider yeah. demon guy like does the little the little chop thing with her between her fingers mm-hmm. that was like that's again it's another like it's it's even though that's probably rooted more in like japanese culture than most you know west you know people in the west would be familiar with mm-hmm. it's still really like even though you may not understand what's going on you still find it like it's a little humorous because just because of how she, you know when she does finally squish it as, as she's like frantically trying to get it and she squishes it and she just goes she, her her spine goes completely straight, and it's just it's her reaction. Oh, to it she kind of does the Totoro humor. thing, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Where, the, where um, like 
it looks like she's being electrocuted. <laughs> like all of her sentient, like go she on, shivers. her hair stands on end mm. and everything. But like, yeah. it, there's like a buzzy line, like going all the way up to her head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's that thing. I, like, I don't know what that's called. Like in, in in animation, what you if you would call that something, but it's unique to Miyazaki. He okay. he would like say, "Let's do that." I think. Basically, every Miyazaki film's got like two or three like awesome creatures or mm. like little animals and stuff. But Spirited Away is just wall to wall creatures like that, and that's what really makes it stand out. Mm. Like. The bat, the the amazing bouncing head things. Oi, 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 Those things are crazy. I love them. And and the giant baby that then gets turned into the the adorable little fat mouse and the little fly and that those those two make an amazing team and I want a buddy movie with them. <laughs> <and then. laughs> Twenty four Jump Street. Yeah, they um. Yeah, the baby again is just one of the creepiest things because. So, like, it exists because Miyazaki's making a point, right, about youth, about youth being coddled, about youth, you know, like the whole um, wrapped in cotton wool kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. the baby has literally been told by your mother that the germs outside will kill you to the extent where he's willing to break Chihiro's arm uh, because he's so... Um, deprived of the outside world that when she arrives and she says, look, I gotta go find Haku, uh, he's like, I'm gonna break your arm if you don't stay here to play with me. Yeah, that's like, that, 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 it's that like was dark stuff. And you see her arm and it's like, it's about to be broken. It's like, it's really daring stuff, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly when you think of like the, you know, in craft terms, like the Ghibli brand up until that point, kind of being, all right, Miyazaki had done kind of adult stuff with Mononoke, but before then it was just like Totoro, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, then, yeah, Totoro, Castle in the Sky. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, in Japan, I think Totoro is so popular that uh, everyone kind of would associate it with Miyazaki when, mm-hmm. when thinking about his movie. So, yeah, he's really trying to... Um, try, try just do something different, and it is really different. I think it's more different from his other movies than like even like How's Moving Castle is from his earlier stuff, which was his next film after this. Yeah, I think yeah that that was yeah it was. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of talking just visually. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But but yeah, man. The, the yeah, it's it is it is um. Maybe the reason that I've seen it so much is because of all of this action that we're talking about. The fact that you could spend the whole movie just looking at one corner. And, you really could. And have a good time. <laughs> it's kind of, you You can put it on and not really be paying that much attention to the story and just be like, oh, there's that little thing. That's that why it's yep. a Christmas morning movie. Because <laughs> mm. you can be like, okay, where is she... Where is she now? You know, what's going on? And if you know it, you can do that. Um, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a treat. But, like, I'm just going to be watching it forever because I'm still not... I still don't know what the hell's going on with that train sequence. <laughs> I, I think it... I was thinking, watching the train sequence, and 
thinking, I guess this is a reference to Night on the Galactic Railroad. Oh, yes, okay. Or, you know, it's got it's got to be at so least... So what, what is that? It is a Japanese novel, and basically it's about going on into the afterlife on the mm-hmm. train, and there's spirits going... Basically, there's a little boy, and he goes on the train, and he, uh, he meets all these spirits and stuff and it's about basically it's about death mm-hmm. and stuff there, there and, is an anime yeah. of it actually is is there yes, with, cats. with cats and one of the key yeah. animators was uh uh makiko futaki oh yes i believe it's it's been released re, re, re-released in the u.s by this right oh good support them if you can because they do amazing work I'll have to find that again. What was the name of it again? Night on the Galactic Railway. Night on the Galactic Railway. Yeah. Yeah. I I I always mention like discotheque Mm -hmm. are great. They um, you know they 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 kind of you know uh, created currently by people who are very passionate about the movies, and um, you know uh, like there was a very there was a great DVD release recently of. Um, Horace Prince of the Sun um, and mm. I think they're also handling a Castle of Capriostro one as well They, yeah they've released that on Blu-ray mm-hmm. in the States um, yes. and yeah they're really really good releases they always have like lots of extras and um, great commentaries as well yes. so I, yeah I recommend that <laughs> um, but yeah going back to the, the train sequence I mean, I guess when you are thinking of it in the, in, in the sort of way that you were talking about watching the movie, Chris, where you're slightly spacing out watching it, um, that whole sequence is just amazing. The the whole, you know, fact that it's it feels like a train journey. It, it kind of gets calmer, and it, by the time she reaches the destination, it's dark. Mm-hmm. And then there's this... Um, like retreat, basically, she has it. Um, is she called Onibaba? No, that's not right. Zaniba is Zaniba. Yes, is the, uh, the good twin, I'd say. Yes, it's Zaniba's place, and it's very homely. It's like, a, what if the witch from Hansel and Gretel was good? Kind of, yeah, kind of vibe. And the other thing is that this is essentially the climax of the film. Right. It's not a. It's not a big set piece whatever it's a train journey and then sitting down with an old lady and coming to a quiet realization yeah yeah jihiro does um which kind of is slightly delayed i'm just talking about when she realizes who haku is yeah um which is always such a such a strange moment because it's not really set up that it's important yeah I, I guess I, I but I every kind of time it happens, I, I kind of tear up because it's it's a big moment for Chihiro because it's her finding something in this, in this completely unrecognizable world, uh, something that's nostalgic and familiar to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that moment's kind of genius, but. But I, I think it's kind of... I don't think it's damning, but it, it is always worth saying that, you know, when you consider the production method, Miyazaki was riffing this stuff. 
<laughs> it was just like, oh, I, I set up that earlier. Okay, well, that's already been colored and animated. I think I could work in this to work. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. That, um, it's got that feeling about it, and it was certainly made that way. Um, but okay, so the the ending you were saying, Chris, like it's um, like that's the climax. Mm-hmm. I got like a mini theory cooking, and I I don't think I've told anyone, but okay. basically in Miyazaki's movies, he always I want to say always there <laughs> might be one exception. Okay. Basically, there is always a retreat in his movies. Hmm. And they don't always come at the same point. But there is usually a moment in his movies where um, characters sit down, have a cup of tea, (laughs) uh, get to feel better, have some food, have a little cry sometimes, um, and then get back on their feet. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I think I know what you mean. And he's and they always appear like in some. Then they don't always serve the same function in his movies, mm-hmm. but they appear. I guess actually the 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 one that's most similar to Spirited Away is Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah. Um, where she has the retreat with Ursula, and they go and have a little holiday, and they go on the bus, and they eat uh, Mentos. I think they are, and um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she has like the quiet sort of realization with the painting mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and they're not always used like for the same purpose like in um in uh the wind rises for example the retreat is something very different um it's like the holiday that he has halfway through the movie um where he kind of is you know it's a more adult film, so it deals with slightly more adult complicated mm-hmm. ideas going on um in how's moving castle it's kind of the point at which they um he makes the nice toilet ah. i just remember it's that scene <laughs> where he makes the house <laughs> yeah, I, always yeah. the toilet. I always remember the toilet um <laughs> in ponyo it's after the storm where they have the honey and the the um they have noodles and they fall asleep Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in Spirited Away, it's like, as you said, Chris, it's the climax. Um, mm. And uh, I, I, it's it's a really bold like idea for that to, as you said, like be the true climax because you you could say that the climax is the point at which, if you were really concerned about the plot, where she finds her parents and everyone throws their hands up and you know celebrates. Mm-hmm. But that moment, you're right, never feels quite as uh, as significant as yeah her 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 retreat where she helps um, Zeniba out with uh, her knitting and bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I can't I can't talk about I can't I'm just describing it because I don't understand this movie. So I'm is still it, is just, it well like, describing it? Speaking from my point of view, like it's uh, what would be considered a typical climax for an, you know a movie like this mm-hmm. or like a movie like similar to 
spoiler it away, would be the point where um, Haku, and you know, when he's a dragon, he's being attacked by the Shikigami. And, uh, you know, obviously something's very wrong. He's badly injured, and, you know, uh, you know, Chihiro's just scrambling to try and figure out what's wrong and try mm. to keep him from getting hurt anymore. And, like, you know, all this, like, the action related to that, like, the encountering the baby, you think that would be, like, more of, uh, you know, that's got enough action in it to be what you would consider to be a, a traditional climax for that kind of movie, but that's not what this movie does. That's, like, that's around the middle point where the motivation right. shifts between Chihiro just trying to survive to actually help someone else survive. Because this this bathhouse is not the only one taking the lives away from just her. There are other characters who are being badly affected by it. No one's told Miyazaki that the way you do climax to a film is to have some sort of blue laser shooting <laughs> up in the sky. <laughs> and, and, and there's a sort of purple cloud that's made over the city. And whatever it is, yeah, you're just going to stop that. Just go stop that. And then something appears, like a usually with like a sort of like semi scaly, semi metallic sort of mm. um, like finish. Like you're not too sure if it's an alien or a monster or um, or a mechanical, mechanical thing. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then the Death Star blows up, <laughs> or Jaws yeah. blows up, or Jaws yeah. blows up. Yeah, no, very, very atypical climax, uh, but still, I actually kind of like it, the fact that it does take that shift between mm-hmm. just, you know, Chihiro just taking whatever kind of, you know, whatever she can get in order to help her survive, you know, that till actually going out of her way for somebody else. Yeah, that's, that's, her, that's the making of her. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, she's concerned with you know, her own skin and just figuring out how to work and please people and not, not get eaten basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The point, the point at which she, yeah, of course, the point at which she starts to, um, to care. I mean, in fact, there's that great line. I think that, um, Lynn's like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, Kamaji says, uh, oh, you wouldn't understand it. It's called love. <laughs> I think that's, that's such a great line. Yeah, it's so cute. And I think that I think that's really. Oh. I mean, that's why the maybe the focus is the or the climax is so much calmer because I mean it's basically all the 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 motivation at that point in the movie is just for Chihiro to go to Zaniba, who is basically trying to kind of trigger this whole shift in the uh, in the story. And uh, basically, you know, she's not going to confront her, really. She's just going to talk to her and basically apologize. Like, hey, uh, a friend of mine I really care about did something that was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to apologize for him because he's not really, he's not doing too well right now. Oh, so. well, maybe that's what the train journey is. Maybe it's like she probably does get on the train with a very sure sense of like, you know, she's going to give her a piece of her mind. Mm-hmm. Because there is something kind of frantic about her departure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, other, Lynn... other than the fact that she had to deal with No Face before leaving. Yeah, also. yeah, and also mm-hmm. Lynn's kind of chasing after her, and then she kind of it's then turns kind of calm, almost like I don't know, if, you know, you know, people say you know if you want to write an angry email, write it, but wait twenty minutes for God's sake yeah. and then read it. 
Like, it's that kind of, you know, you, you, it, it, if you were literally to try and do what she did, you know, like if right now I was to go out, I'd get the bus, and then on the bus journey, I would probably calm down a bit. And then yeah. I'd get to the person's house, and I'd be like, like, can I come in? I have a cup of tea. I just need to, you know, it wouldn't be, uh, yeah. it wouldn't be fireworks at their doorstep. And, and make sure, I mean, I, 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 that only just really dawned on me when I was re-watching the film, and when you see, like, when she does get on the train, obviously the train's going for quite a long time, but she seems to have the same expression through most of the ride. Like, she's the entire time she is processing her, you know, what she is going to say when she gets off that train. Oh, see, here's another great example of the plainness kind of of her behavior, mm-hmm. offering another movie, essentially, for you, because... For me, she's that's like that's pure like reflection. Mm-hmm. That's that's not necessarily she's thinking about what she's going to say. It's more like she's thinking about who she is and everything she's just done. And, and why that, she's on the train to begin with. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like maybe just less logical than that. Mm-hmm. More like it doesn't matter that it's a train. It doesn't matter physically where she is mm-hmm. you know it matters emotionally where she is and the yeah. fact that she's she's now dealing with this thing that you know a few days ago she was outright rejecting and trying to literally escape um and she's now like you know equipped basically yeah emotionally equipped mm. that is a good that is a really cool way to look at it I mean, I'm gonna movie. I'm gonna be looking at it in a different way in like a, if, about a week, probably. <laughs> you know what? I think that's something different in that scene. I think that's something that we can. I think I think I like you know I like to speak for everyone. I say I think we're all going to be watching this movie again and again and again with like after just just after this conversation in a different way yeah. than maybe we did before we started talking. And again, I think that's probably just the the kind of sort of strange magic that this movie has with a lot of people and that's why it's resonated with so many people not just in japan but across the world as well it's the fact that Mm. as not just as you know a story and all that it's trying to tell in just this one story but just as a movie in general all the different elements that make it what it is it's like people will be looking at this movie till the end of their days trying to piece it together and it's like there's so much so much in just one little movie has been suggested that we might at some point do a group watch slash tweet along of Spirited Way on the Twitters. That so would be really would... super awesome. That would be, yeah, it would yeah. be interesting. I mean, from the sounds of our conversation now, it's kind of going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be a, a gamut of uh, interpretations of what's going on in each mm. in each scene and what Chihiro's thinking in each scene as well. Yeah, I think that if of all the films that we need to do one of those, uh, you know, follow along or group watch events, mm. I think that's definitely got to be the one, another one that we have on, if not the next one on our list. And and because G Kids are re-releasing uh, Princess Mononoke in American cinemas in January. We will obviously have to do an episode on that. I'm as well. already making plans. I looked on my uh, on fathom events to see when the 
that those screenings are in my area, and they are in my area. So I'm just I'm 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 going. Nice. I'm a going there. Sweet. I'm gonna see one of my favorite Miyazaki films on the big screen. I can't wait. Are I we mean, done I'm on Spirited pretty... Away now? So I'm thinking I'm thinking we're sort of coming yes. to a natural conclusion in the fact that we've reached the end of the film. We have. <laughs> And uh, so, is there anything we know. missed though that anyone wants to? to well, re- I don't know because I mean we really covered like the stuff about with you know uh, Chihiro, you know, realizing Haku's real name and why he's been helping her out mm-hmm. so much. I think we've kind of we lightly ta- covered that, but um, I really don't think there's too much else more to say. Another wonderful score from Joe Hishashi. Hishashi. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think, again, like like Miyazaki, it's not typical of Hishashi. I mean, it's very uh, traditional sounding. Mm -hmm. um, In actual fact, I think in the the making of Princess Mononoke, uh, Miyazaki is having a meeting with Hishashi, and he's talking about the two styles that he uses. Because Hisaishi also scores lots of live-action Japanese movies. Um, mm-hmm. And Miyazaki talks about him having a European, like, Western style and a Japanese style. And uh, this is, like, very much, uh, for the most part, I think, a very Japanese-sounding score. It really is. I think, um, I don't know, it's hard to say. Yeah. It's a different soundscape to, say like the instrumentation that you'd associate with House Moving Castle. Um, or Princess Mononoke, even. Oh, true, yeah. I think Princess Mononoke is probably scored more like an action movie. Um, yeah. An adventure movie than Spirited Away. I think that's my favourite score. Oh. Um, really? Mononoke, yeah. It is, yeah, it is great. It's so, oh, those drums. Mm-hmm. When, um... Like it's like the first five minutes of the movie, when the the the, the monsters appeared and it's being uh, is chasing Ashka and the drums are just like, duk, 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 duk. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I think that's every, one of my favorite songs. Every, <laughs> every time you talk about a Miyazaki film, you just immediately want to go and watch it straight yeah, away. Yeah, like I know oh, why am I not watching it yeah. now? Like, yeah, why is it not true. playing right now on my peripheral? <laughs> Oh, speaking of um, like analysis as well of of the movie, um, a friend of the show, Ed Hooks, has a great, mm-hmm. great um, chapter on it in his book, Acting in Animation. Oh. Um, where he kind of like, uh, I mean, it's interesting, even if you're not an animator or an actor or whatever, um, because he just, he, he's just tracking Chihiro's behavior throughout the movie. Um and I've heard Ed talk about it in lectures, and I'm not going to do it justice, but um, <laughs> the scene that Ed always brings up is the scene um, with the stairs at the start of the movie. Ah. Um, he's He talks about how he, how Miyazaki like, is tapping into a very primal childhood fear of mm-hmm. what if there was no handrail. Oh yes, you know, yeah. And there are gaps in the stairs. Like I, for me, I still get funny walking on stairs with that I can see too far through. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he, it's a great analysis of and and of the, of the acting in the movie, and you realize just how um, 
observed and developed her behavior is in the movie and how at each moment you can actually do the thing that Ed talks about doing, which is pause the movie and go, okay, what is she going through right now? Like what's mm-hmm. in her head? What's she thinking? What's she trying to get? What's she trying to escape from? Yeah. What, what, what are you like? Go talk to the character. What are you doing basically? And say, okay, yeah. you've got, you, you need to get from point A to point B, but there's something really scaring you in your way. How do yeah. you react to it? Yeah. And then, like another great example is when she has to run across the pipe. Oh gosh. Yeah. And you see like her go through the thought process of like, Oh my God, I have to do this. I'm going to do this. Like, how do I do this? And then her doing it and then her like being relieved and, it's, all it's, without a single line of dialogue, which makes yeah. it all the better. Because you don't sometimes, if you're, you're you're one of those people, you will say things or react to things out loud or say things out loud. But if you're you know character like Chihiro, you're just you're you you're internalizing everything. Mm. Also, if you're dubbing an anime, you might do that. I mean, yeah. If you like, you know, the, the, one of the worst offenders is the Digimon movie, where it's like yeah. every spare. And I have a weird fondness for that dub anyway, in its own awful way. But, oh, um, yeah. I know what you mean. Where every moment is just like, oh, they're not saying something. We should say something. A joke. Something. Some yeah. kind of pun. Because yeah. we love puns in this dub. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd like to recommend you check out that book. And also the um, the Andrew Osmond BFI Classics book on Spirit Away, which is really really thorough and offers some really insightful stuff about the movie I will make sure I check I put stick uh, links to these books in yes. the show notes and you can purchase them through Dude. the link and, and if you're interested about the making as well the art book that you mentioned Chris has lots of really interesting um, like uh, tidbits like interview um, snippets and I guess we'll start closing out the episode if uh, you want to... Does anyone else have any final thoughts before we wrap everything up? Oh, just... Hey, it's also not only the 15th anniversary of Spirit of the Way, it will also be the third birthday of AnimationForAdults.com this week. Yay! That is correct. I believe oh. it's uh, this Saturday. Yes. It's going to be walking soon. Third year. Yeah. <laughs> Already talking, yeah, far too much. Mm. <laughs> Happy birthday, but... AFA! Yeah, birthday. three years, three years, and going strong, baby. Happy birthday, buddy! Going. I'm sorry, Dan. What was that? <laughs> Happy birthday, buddy! Happy birthday to us! <laughs> <laughs> But it's yeah again we'll uh we'll be finding a, a way to celebrate our third official year uh very soon. I think uh Chris we've already got something in the works of a uh, little mini celebration in, in form of in podcast form coming up in the near future and we'll be keeping you all uh informed of that on social media. And uh if that's a, anything else is that about it? Yep. All right then. Well, thank you so much for uh, sticking around with us for this episode. And uh, if you want to check out more of our content, go to animationforadults.com, our official website, and keep abreast of all our upcoming 
news, reviews, and everything else we're going to be having come out this holiday season and beyond. And if you want to keep track of what we're doing on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Tumblr. And if you want to follow each of us individually, Chris, where can we find you on social media? I am Mr. Crystal on Twitter and Facebook. All right, very good. Dan, what about you? I am on Twitter on the internet. Uh, Hamu, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. You've you've been you've been carrying a lot of a lot of this podcast, so I'm uh, very appreciative that you were, we were able to have you on today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> and you can find me also on Twitter at Fail to Ninja, and also if you want to help promote. Uh, more content for the site, you know, diff- new episodes of uh, the podcast, reviews, etc., or even um, our long-awaited video content, which we hope to probably, we hope to try and bring to you hopefully next year, I would suggest going to our Patreon page and uh, sending a little money our way, no more than, you know, to send more than a cup of coffee, <laughs> I believe is the, how you put it last time, Chris. Yeah, and just... <laughs> buy a cup of coffee, virtually. <laughs> yep, and... Uh, like I, I swear I've heard that as a joke somewhere, but <laughs> it's completely breaking my concentration. <laughs> but um, we would really appreciate if uh, in our new year to bring all new content, better content for all of you, you know, who have followed our podcast for a long time. We'd love to bring you some more awesome stuff. So if our way, you know, help us do that, it would be really awesome if you could just help us out and bring us new content, and that would be awesome. So thanks you once again for joining us for this episode, and we will see you next time on episode, I believe, 50, well, not 50, 60. <laughs> God damn it. Whoa. So close. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. <clears throat> Thank you very much for joining us for episode 64, and we will see you next time for episode 65. Take care, Bye. everybody. Goodbye. Bye.